الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعض فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبلنا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم I was reading a, a memoir of one of the famous scholars of the subcontinent and in that memoir I came across a statement that really caught my attention and subhanallah I think very beautifully summarizes an important principle that all of us should be aware of this is a uh, Maulana Muhammad Ilyas rahmatullahi very very famous scholar from the subcontinent and one of the scholars is quoting what he heard from him so he said that i heard him say the following meaning i heard maulana muhammad ilyas rahmatullahi say the following and that is that surah fatiha surah fatiha inside the congregational prayer is more valuable than reciting the whole Qur'an outside of prayer. It's a very interesting statement. Now, it's his opinion. He's based on his knowledge. He's sharing his opinion. He's not quoting a hadith here. He's giving an opinion, but he's going to back it up, and I just want to first understand the principle, and then we'll talk about uh, how it's backed up. So essentially, what he's saying, and is really honestly a gem, it's honest, honestly just a gem. Saying that Surah Fatiha inside the congregational prayer. The benefit, the power, the reward of, of a person have, uh, pr- uh, listening to or uh, reciting Surah Fatiha inside the congregational prayer is more valuable than sitting alone and reciting the entire Quran by yourself. So, very, very um, strong statement. And he backs up the statement by saying that the goal of the deen is to perfect what is mandatory. The goal of the deen is to perfect what is mandatory, and the supererogatory is merely there to fill in the defects. I shouldn't say merely. The supererogatory, one of the benefits of the supererogatory, is to fill in the gaps in that which is mandatory. For example, uh, just to understand his, his, uh, the statement that he's making, and I'll give you another statement that also supports this concept in a moment, but essentially think about it this way. When a person offers prayer, they offer their fadl prayer, correct? 
Now, after they offer their fard prayer, they will offer the sunnah prayers, sometimes before, sometimes after, sometimes both. And we know that one of the benefits of offering the sunnah prayers is that the reward of the sunnah prayer fills in the deficiencies that are, pres- that are, la- that are present in the mandatory prayer. Just as another example, when a person fasts in the month of Ramadan, they perform their fasting. And then if there were deficiencies, then the extra fasts that are done outside of the month of Ramadan, the rewards of those will be used to fill in any gaps that may exist in the mandatory fast of Ramadan. So this is a known principle, by the way. The scholars appreciate and explicate this principle very, very clearly, that wherever there may be a defect in an act of worship, the supererogatory, the extra, the sunnah, the nawafil that we do, it fills in the gaps in our acts of mandatory worship. So this is principle is very standard. And what he's essentially saying is that, look, what's mandatory is the mandatory prayer. And it is upon the believer to perfect the mandatory prayer. And the perfection of the mandatory prayer occurs by praying it in the jama'ah, in a gathering, right? Ideally in a masjid, but in a gathering. So if a person comes to the gathering and participates in Surah Fatiha, the reward of that Surah Fatiha in the congregational prayer is more than reciting the whole Qur'an outside. Because outside recitation of Qur'an is some supererogatory act that we chose to do. It wasn't mandatory upon us. But the daily prayers are mandatory upon us, and the perfection of those prayers is actually the fact that we're present in the masjid. Now, it's a, it's a little bit of a nuanced uh, point that he's making, but I think we can just say very clearly, one of the mistakes that we make in life is that we tend to not order things properly. Like, uh, just for example, if somebody wants to become spiritual, they don't look at the core things of the deen. They tend to look at the peripheral things. And they start thinking that in order to be more spiritual, I need to go after all these peripheral things without realizing that actually the deen itself is contained, meaning the deen itself is perfect the way it is. And if something has been made mandatory upon us, then the goal, the first goal in any spiritual endeavor is always to perfect that which has been made mandatory upon us. Now, you know, people come all the time. They say, I want to develop myself spiritually. Give me a routine. Give me something to recite. Tell me something to do. The, but, but, and that can be beneficial. I'm not denying that that isn't beneficial. But the goal in the end is always going to be the things that have been made mandatory upon us. I'll just give you another simple example. I'll give you, let me give you one statement just coming to mind. Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhu, it's narrated in the book of Imam Tirmidhi, I think Ibn Abbas, just off the top of my head. Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhu, someone asked Ibn Abbas the following question. And just listen to the wording so you understand the principle again. What do you say? What do you say about the person who fasts all day and prays all night? What do you say about the person who fasts all day and prays all night but never joins the congregational prayer? Interesting question, correct? Kind of the topic at hand. What do you say about the person who fasts all day and prays all night, 
but never joins the congregational prayer. So Ibn Abbas, he said, he is one of the fire. He is a person of the fire. Now, why such a harsh statement? Because at the time of the Prophet the one of the defining features of a Muslim was the fact that they were present in the gathering. No one was judged by the... Of course, there were, they were secondarily, let's put it this way. No one was primarily judged based on the Qur'an that they memorized. You had to first present yourself. You had to first present yourself in the gathering. Of the gathering of what? The gathering of Salah. After the gathering of Salah, you were determined, this is a believer, this is a hypocrite. Right? The hypocrites wouldn't be there, the believers would be there. And then after that, secondarily, you would say, this person has this much knowledge, this person has memorized this much, this person has learned this much, this person has been present for this long, etc., etc. So, again, highlighting this very, very <coughs> core principle, which is that the goal of every believer always is to perfect that which has been placed upon them. Now, I can give you the same example. Let me ask you this question. What do you say? I'll ask it in another way that's relevant to everybody in the room. What do you say about the person who does all the extra credit, but never goes to class, never takes a note, and fails all the exams? Right? What do you say about the person who does all the extra credit, but never goes to class, never takes a note, fails the exam. Everybody would agree. Extra credit is extra credit, but you have to first do the work. It's extra credit. It's credit on top of the, what you should be doing. So maybe in that context, people can understand better, right? I mean, the guy who never goes to work, the girl who never goes to work, right? But instead offers to do all these extra tasks. So the general principle that all of us should appreciate and what is being established in this basic statement of Mawlana Muhammad Ilyas is that each of us should always recognize that the perfection of our deen lies in the perfection of that which Allah has made mandatory upon us. That is the goal. That is the spiritual goal. Now, I mean, I'm the first one. My ears are closest to my own mouth, you know. I'm the first one to recognize that I'm actually talking about this because I find this deficiency within myself as well. Find, I find myself getting busy in things and not being able to sometimes appropriately order these things. But this is a tried, true principle. This is not something that we can change. Time doesn't change this principle. The fundamental role of every believer, no matter what they're doing, they could be a big scholar, they could be a big sheikh, they could be a big whatever, it's still to present oneself when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls. And those are five times in a day. Now, fine, we have schedules, we go to work, etc. But still, we should be here as much as we can. Any, in any masjid, in any congregational prayer. And that's always going to supersede anything that's supererogatory. I remember, actually, interesting, I'm remembering some, something that happened when I was much younger. <laughs> uh, one time, I was uh, in Pakistan, 1990s. And uh, someone gave me a package uh, to give to somebody in America. It was like uh, some books and some cassette tapes. Knowledge. This was an alim in Pakistan. He was like a uh, very, very close, the, the right-hand man of Mufti Taki Usmani. You can say that. The right-hand man of Mufti Taki Usmani at that time. 
And he was like doing all his, he was his assistant, personal assistant. And I was uh, at this institution and I was there for not, not a long time, just literally a few weeks. And uh, in that interaction, I got to know him. And at the very end, he said, you know, you're going back to America. I want you to deliver, I have some books and some papers and some cassettes and they need to, cassettes, these are, we used to listen to cassettes at that time. These are like uh, what you guys use, like, I guess they don't even have MP3s anymore, whatever, audio files, but they used to run them on these reels and you could put them in a little machine and listen to them. They're called cassettes. So he said, uh, I have these books and these cassettes. I want you to, you want you to drop it off. And uh, so anyway, uh, it so happened that um, the person who I had to drop off these, all this material to was the person who had started a, a famous mother set in Buffalo. At this time, he's much elderly now. But at that time, he was much younger. So I ended up, I can't remember where, I think here. He came, he happened to come here, and I, he was visiting here anyway. So I gave him the package and all the books and the cassettes and all that. And then um, as we were departing, I just briefly met with him. I, mean, I don't think I spoke with him more than 10 minutes. Uh, I remember at the very end, he asked me, so what are you, what are you doing for your, your spiritual self? Now, mind you, what was I, 20-something at that time? 22, 21, maybe, something like that. And he asked me this question, what are you doing for your spiritual self? So I said that, uh, you know, uh, I looked for a sheikh, and I found a sheikh, and I'm spending time in the company of my sheikh. So he, he said, oh, okay, wonderful. And he said, uh, uh, does, does your sheikh tell you to pray in the masjid five times a day? And I said, yes, that's like the key thing. We're always reminded of. He said, okay, then you're good. No, no, I have no, no further questions. You know, like it's like a judge or whatever, a lawyer in a courtroom. <laughs> no further questions. I rest my case, your honor. Like this was like the key thing, right? Is this what you're, well, how are you defining spirituality? Are you defining spirituality, a bunch of incense and handing out, you know, things to one another? Or are you defining spirituality by what the core of the deen defines spirituality as? Which is what? Spirituality is perfection of that which Allah has mandated upon us. When a person perfects their salah such that they excel and present it in the masjid with the depth and appropriate focus, then they've perfected that individual act of worship. When they perfect their fast in such a way that they fast from everything, including the distractions of dunya, then they've perfected that act of worship. When a person perfects their, their zakah such that it overflows into their, becomes excessive with sadaqah, etc., etc., they perfected acts of worship. These are the goals of deen. Goals of deen are not, uh, did I sit down and do 20 minutes of dhikr today? Those are extra. They're beneficial. They can be very, very positive. But you still have to focus on that which is focused. You can't leave those mandatory and start going off into peripheral. I'll give you just another very simple example, you know, which all of us can learn from. You know, the, like we have some mandatory relationships we have to maintain. Okay? Like, for example, mandatory relationships you have to maintain. you got one above you, two above you with the parents. Right? You've got one in front of you with a spouse. Okay? You've got one next to you, maybe on the right and left with a neighbor. And then you've got a couple beneath you with, uh, with the kids. Right? So these are some of the very core relationships that a person has to maintain. And you'll find that when people want to develop themselves spiritually... Right? If you start going through this checklist, which is like a standard checklist, are you okay up here, or are you okay around here, or are you okay down here? Uh, 
there'll always be some deficiency in one or, one or more of these relationships. It's typical, it's human nature. This is how shaitan works, creates deficiencies, so these deficiencies exist. Now, what will happen? The person will try to make it up. For example, they don't want to go to their neighbor and ask, how are you doing? Because they're fighting over who puts the garbage can on this side of the street or that side, or whatever it might be, these dumb things that people create arguments over. Basically, it's shaitan comes and whispers to people. So they don't want to do that. They'll go off and do ihsan to hundreds of other people. Right? But that one relationship they'll never address. They got to fight in the family with, un- with uncle. Right? They don't want to face the uncle, so they'll go off and face 500 other people and do all these great things. But the challenge didn't lie with the 500 other people. I'm not negating that. Do, do, do the ihsan to 5,000 other people. But they don't want to face the elephant in the room. Right? That, that's the challenge. That's how a person knows that they've ultimately achieved their spiritual goals. When the elephant in the room is tackled, not when they can go off and do all the peripheral extra things. Yes, those are great. I'm encouraging those as well. A person should go off and do all the extras. But it's the elephant in the room that first needs to be handled. So when a person's asking themselves, have I achieved my goals spiritually? Am I achieving what I should be doing spiritually? We always start with this. What are the things that are mandatory, and are we perfecting those things? For example, am I praying prayer at its time? A very simple thing. But, you know, if we're consistently delaying our prayer so that we barely make it each time at the very end of the time, we're not perfecting the prayer. Now, sit down and do all these extra things. They can be beneficial, but only if they lead to a rectification of that which actually was the elephant in the room. Now, with that understanding, this is essentially what this scholar is trying to share with us. Essentially, this is what the scholar is trying to share with us. That, now, if you listen to the wording again, it's a little extreme, mind you, the wording. I agree. It's a little extreme if you feel that. It's a little extreme. But it paints a nice principle. And arguably, it does actually fit in with some of the, the concepts of Ardeen, which is very simple. And he's saying that a, 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 the Participation in Surah Al-Fatiha in a Salah. In his opinion, participation in Surah Fatiha in a congregational Salah is more valuable than independently going to the side and reciting the entire Quran to yourself. Now, again, is he, he's not saying that you shouldn't recite the Quran, right? I mean, this is the, the, day, the time and age in which we live. People just clip two seconds and they forget the other, you know, 32 minutes. He's not saying that a person shouldn't independently read Qur'an on the side. Of course, a person should independently read as much Qur'an on the side as they can. But it should never be that the person is doing all these extra things but doesn't show up in the masjid. That's what he's trying to say. And by the way, you find this everywhere, right? Every person gets busy in life. Scholars get busy in their books. Sheikhs get busy in their students. Uh, professionals get busy in their professions. Always, there's, some, there's always some some issue, right, that a person can say, well, this is why I wasn't there. And a person can independently judge that. But still, fact is fact, right? We, the, the deen is clear. So this was the understanding of Sahaba at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. They saw that being present, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called them five times a day, they saw being present as something essential of, for their deen. Now, subhanAllah, I mean, it doesn't mean that everybody was praying behind the Prophet ﷺ because they had smaller gatherings in different, uh, uh, not villages, but different localities near 
uh, outside of the, where the Prophet would pray. So one tribe would be praying here, one tribe would be praying here, one tribe would be praying here. So uh, it doesn't necessarily mean everybody has to be at the main masjid, right? But as a general principle, we should always keep the masjid dear to our hearts, and particularly the congregational prayer dear to our hearts. And we should see it as a means of, uh, we should see it as a gauge. We should see it as a gauge to determine whether we're actually achieving the goals of deen that we set out for ourselves. And we should appreciate, by the way, we should appreciate the ease of our deen. I mean, really, subhanAllah, honestly, from another perspective, when I hear this statement, it just shows me how easy the deen is. You don't have to go off and do all these really, really... um, uh, peripheral things like you don't need to present the whole you don't need to have memorized the whole Quran and present the whole Quran you just have to present yourself right to whatever the standard requirements are of the deen and then if there's time and there's opportunity go off and do all the other things and they're wonderful and great and they can just add nur upon nur but the basics are the basics and the basics are so straightforward you got five prayers in a day you got fasting in the month of Ramadan you've got to go to Hajj once in your lifetime you've got to um, pay zakah annually from, from a person's wealth, which relatively small amount for all of the great blessings that, are, that come upon us. It's not that hard. It's not that hard to be successful. You could become excellent and achieve very, very uh, deep height, uh, very, very um, uh, lofty heights in a person's deen by just taking care of a few of these basic things. And, you know, again, from, from, one, from one angle... It just goes to show you how easy the deen is. How anybody can literally participate and, and, and do it. Because presenting oneself for salah is not something that is, it's a, it's a very difficult thing spiritually, but it's not something that would be a challenge to the vast majority of people. Meaning, it's something that anyone can do, irrespective of their abilities. It's something that's possible. Put it this way. It's something that's possible for anyone. For some people, certain things may not be possible. I may not be able to memorize large portions of Quran, etc., but something that everyone can do is just present themselves and subhanAllah pray behind the person who's actually doing the work, which is the imam. Right? I mean, we're, if all of us are sitting here, there's one imam and then there's another 90, 100 people that aren't going to be the imam. So from another perspective, it just goes to show you how easy the deen is. But anyway, I've just, I, you know, I, I was actually focused, focusing and thinking more about Surah Al-Fatiha and thinking about the power of the surah. And it's a talk that I want to give eventually haven't had the chance to do that talk here yet, but it's something that I've wanted to do for a while now. And it's in the context of that that this statement came up. And I started thinking about the statement, and I just said, SubhanAllah, this is such a deep quote. This is really just a lot of wisdom here. A lot of wisdom here. To just highlight the essence and how the core of the deen is really the core of the deen. And it'll always be that way. And the opportunity for us to take advantage of that is just always available. And it's so easy to just, it's, it's easily done. It's difficult. It's challenging, particularly in this day and age. But it's so easy in the sense that we just have to present ourselves. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls us, we just need to, calls us in the sense of prayer, calls us five times a day to reciprocate to the best of our ability all the blessings that he continuously bestows upon us. We need to do, it, do that in the most excellent way. And when an assignment is given, the goal is to, re, is to do that assignment to the best of our ability. And the best of the ability when it comes to congregational prayer is to present oneself in the congregation. So anyway, that's the simple point that I wanted to make today. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are able to 
achieve excellence in each of our acts of worship. Wa akhirat da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alamin.